Yeah. Uh. I tell them, welcome to the gray area. And stay away just in case you ain't real enough to relate. Every other Thursday, politics to the chips. Get up on this wave. <laughs> now tell me what's to talk about. Cause we the only thing to talk about. How you keep reality in check. Just keep it real rapping. Don't gossip with the facts. Yeah. The New York football scene is quite embarrassing. The Giants, the Jets are, are some of the worst teams we've ever seen. This is giving me like early 90s vibes with these two organizations. But beyond that, this is the Gray Area, and I am your host, Ray Jarvis. Showtime! Woo! For this episode, I have a returning guest. I would say friend of the show. Someone who knows what he's talking about. Someone who delivers each and every time he's been on the gray area and every other platform that he comes on. Shout out to the sports hit list. Uh, the homie Paul Lawson, welcome back to the gray area, bro. Hey, man. I appreciate it, Ray. Shout out to you. Shout out to the fan base. Yeah, I'm happy to be back, and I appreciate the kind words. But likewise, you know, you want to be with the greats. Absolutely. So I'm honored to be on this platform. Hey, man, you set the tone each and every time. Um, this is a real simple episode, bro. I won't keep you too long, but I felt like it needed to be covered here. It is the sorry state of the NFL by way of New York, New Jersey. We have the New York Jets. We have the New York Giants. Both organizations are putrid. Both are poorly run by terrible GMs and Republican owners who seem to have a point of view of football that doesn't match what's currently going on in the NFL. So, Paul... Right, right away, let's go to the AFC East. <laughs> the New York Jets, a dumpster fire Ooh. if there ever was one. What, what are your takes? What, what are you seeing? Take me in your brain as far as what do you see week to week with the New York Jets? Is it just the coach or is the team overall sorry? You know what, Ray? It's not just the coach. You know, I'm going to use a local retail chain for my explanation of the Jets. And it's, it's fitting that their logo and their color scheme matches the uniforms. <laughs> when you ever go into a dollar deals, you know, my I used to live in a high rise on Fulton. It was a dollar deals right below me. Right. And every day I walked in there, I could see the amount of disarray, the disorganization. Lines to the back of the store, one cashier. <laughs> product all over the place no leadership no accountability no hustle and bustle right that's the new york jets and it starts at the top Facts. you know when you got an owner and i mean whatever what it is what it is right he's a big business guy outside of the game mm-hmm. this is one of his many ventures but i feel like the jets went the moment he got on that that plane that trump sent for him the uk i'm seeing a team that they don't even want to compete for Adam Gase. No. Adam Gase don't even want to talk to the media. Right? He can't even take the heat that's in the kitchen. Mm. The GM, I think his name is Joe Douglas, is like the blind leading the blind because Listen. when when is Fact. he going to hold Adam Gase accountable? You know what I'm saying? I haven't seen an accountability remark come from anybody in the New York Jets organization outside of the shot that the defensive coordinator took to Adam Gates, his, his boss. You, and you know it's real. That's, that is a telltale sign of a bad organization. When, a D when you coordinator, think about it like that. When a D coordinator gets so frustrated with the offense that he can't help himself in his media scrum but to take a swipe at the offense because everyone who closely watches the sport understands that the longer you leave the defense on the field, the more likely they are to give up points. So you can't even use the points per game analysis when it comes to the Jets because their offense is so bad that the defense essentially lives on the field. I mean, I seen a crazy stat on Sunday, uh, the Miami game. They right. won the turnover battle. They won the time of possessions battle. Mm-hmm. They won the third down conversions battle. And they got beat 24 to nothing. Wild. <laughs> Makes, how do you not score in that scenario? That has, Was that the first time in NFL history? First time in NFL history. I've wow. never seen it before. Wow. Right? Sorry. And, and, and the only other thing I'm going to add about the Jets, right? 16 calendar months ago, New Yorkers were excited. Yeah. The Jets had all this cap money. They went out there, got the best free agent on the market in Le'Veon Bell. We thought they were turning the tides. 
They spent money on a middle linebacker. They spent money on a defensive back. They spent money on an old line. We thought they were drafting right. I mean, the draft grades for the Jets was actually pretty decent. The, the Jets, once again, it felt like the Rex Ryan era where they were getting all the headlines, all the back pages. It was all about the Jets finally turning the corner yet again. We've seen a good finish to uh, you know a subpar injury-filled season. Mm-hmm. And we come into year three of Sam Donald thinking what we got from Josh Allen is what we was going to get from Sam Donald. Right. But here we are. He's still seeing ghosts. <laughs> now, now he ain't even really interested in playing. I don't even know what injury he got. I mean, because he came back the week he got hurt, played the whole game, led the command, and the, they lost to Denver, but he played well, decent down the stretch. Right. Then all of a sudden, we got a 40-year-old Joe Flacco stretch, fresh off the sweatsuits and the headset. Not even the rookie kid from, from UCF. Sheesh. We then, got we got a Flacco and a Frank Gore, the two oldest guys in the league. But then we got the we got we got to talk about the sabotage because all, all the Ooh. headlines today. You know, we're recording this on a Tuesday. The episode will drop this Thursday. But all the headlines are the Jets are tanking to get Lawrence from Clemson. So if I'm Sam Darnold, I'm looking around like, wait the hell a minute. How are you positioning yourself for another quarterback when you've yet to properly show me the ropes as an NFL quarterback in this league? I don't think that's fair to Sam Darnold. Granted, I'm a Darnold fan. I wanted him for the Giants, so people will call me out and say I'm biased, but I'm just looking as a fan perspective. This quarterback has had putrid coaching, no true direction, a a, a head coach beefing with the star running back that they threw wild bread at. Nothing makes sense. He has no no talent to throw to on the outside. Shout out to Robbie Anderson, who who looks way better in Carolina. Oh, my God. He looks, fans, he looks amazing. Jet fans will tell you, Robbie Anderson was kind of sorry as a Jet. So he's had no one legit to throw to. Then you have this Mims kid who's yet to see the field. So how, how can the Jets be looking for another quarterback when the situation arises where the current quarterback never had a real chance? I, 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 I'm, I'm confused, Paul. Help me. And I'm going to tell you this. If I'm Sam Darnold, I'm pulling the ultimate flex like Eli Manning on draft day. You mean Lawrence? I, I I mean, if I'm Lawrence, sorry. I ain't playing for the Jets, bro. Right. The way Elock snubbed the Chargers, which will be the difference in why I think he gets in the hall and why Phillip Rivers might not, right? It's because, <laughs> of, it's because of where he was, right? I don't understand how a team could be, you know, so Sam Donner, I want to say, is 23 years old. Right. The talent is there. He hasn't had the best deck of cards, right? I mean, you're talking about Facts. somebody, if you was playing spades, I mean, my man, he couldn't book no hands. He can't even right? go board. He's stuck. <laughs> Literally. he ain't got. I got one of the possible, right? <laughs> so if you Sammy D, you say, man, I ain't got no receivers. I didn't had a couple different coaches. Right. I didn't had a couple different GMs. Right. I didn't had all of my weapons either injured or swiped away from me. I don't even have captains on the defensive side because – I mean, we talked about, you know, the vocal running back getting shipped out. Let's not forget what the, they did to Jamal Adams. The vocal safety who just wanted right. to win. So The it, best defensive back in the game. How about right? that? Arguably. So let's right? spin it back to sabotage. It's, it's evident that the front office has a plan that hasn't been funneled through to the players up until maybe this week. How can you pro- how can you properly run an organization doing things this way? If you're gonna front, at least do what the Dolphins did. The Dolphins made no qualms about it a year ago. We're tanking, we don't care, we're tanking for Tua, point blank period. And shout out, shout out to the coach of the Dolphins who kept the players engaged throughout that tank. We couldn't do that with Adam Gase. Like, like I gotta say this right now. I don't think Adam Gase actually wanted to coach the Jets. I go back to nope. that, to that, to that that that, that opening press press conference where he looked like he did a couple of lines before he did the press. His eyes were all over the place. He looked completely nervous. He looked out of source. He was a little disheveled, a little sweaty. I think he took the job because he wanted to get back in the game. I don't, not for nothing, bro. I, I think he's trying to get fired. This is reckless speculation. But I actually believe that he doesn't want to be there. He took the bread because, you know, even after he gets fired, they still have to pay him out. So he took the payout and said, you know what? I'll crap the bed for a little while, but I'm back in the game, baby. And I got another check. Am I reaching or is it just, or maybe Adam Gates is just a really terrible coach. I don't think Adam Gates is a leader of men. Okay. And in order okay. to be a head coach Facts. in the NFL, or even at the collegiate level, mm-hmm. you must be a leader of men. And this is exactly why we've seen, so you think about historically, 
why do they say most college coaches do not lead, do not do well in the NFL? Because right? they can't lead men. <laughs> right. Can't lead and motivate grown men. Right. This is their profession. Nick Saban struggled with that, right? Mm-hmm. And we see what he does at the recruiting end. Adabo Sweeney would struggle in the NFL. Yep. The whole rah-rah mantra doesn't get guys souped up on Sundays like it does at, on a Saturday with the cheerleaders on the sideline. Absolutely. Right? The student section, all of that. Everything. It's just a vibe. The band, the, you know, the mascot running on the field, the, the guy doing push-ups in the mm-hmm, crowd. Mm-hmm. Nothing's the same, right? So when I think about an Adam Gase, I say to myself, he is a career coordinator. And I'm not sure he's good at that either. Wow. But is he a quarterback's coach? I haven't seen any progression in Sam Donald from a technique perspective, from a talent perspective, from a production perspective. Jeez. So I can't even label him that. But the real issue if I'm the guy that's calling the plays now for the Jets in regards to the organization, operation one is you got to part ways with Joe Douglas, the general manager. Hands it's down. safe to say every decision he's made has been terrible, right? And I'm not going to knock the draft picks because it's still early. And I'm like you mentioned, Mims, we haven't seen yet with injuries. Right. But Perriman got big money for the wide receiver position. Ugh. He was hurt. Then he played. J- J- Jamison Crowder is the man out there right now. Jameson Crowder, Journeyman Jameson. He, ja- he, Journeyman he, Jameson. He somehow always finds a way to produce, but he's never been that guy, and he's just not built to be that guy. He's a, a second fantasy, or third option. Fantasy football headache, right? Point when you play him, he bums it. When you, you know <laughs> when you sit him, he puts up thirty. Right? Listen. This is the it's the Will Fuller effect. Hello, right? you took the words right out of my mouth. He, <laughs> he was Will Fuller when D Hop was dead. If he hit, hit. If I'm not, he would, whatever. Right. So. That's the first thing you got to do because these decisions that have been made are long-term decisions, yep. right? When you trade, when you sign a bell for $50 million over four years and you cut them after 18 months, you just put another max contract in dead money, right? Uh-huh. That's that defensive lineman that could change the game, right? That's your, that's your Jadavian clowny. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> when you trade a Jamal Adams for three picks of unknown, and you have a not-so-great draft history, that's another setback. Doesn't matter what hole you get, if you ain't going to do nothing with it. I mean, they're not drafting like the Saints was drafting. Nope. Right, where they was finding diamonds in the rough. They're not doing what the Seahawks have been doing over the years. Right, so that's my concern. So he got to go. Because if Joe Douglas remains, then Adam Gay still has this untouched Iron Man with the chip in the middle of the chest mantra. Oh, yeah. Where it seems like he's, he's Teflon. Just, yeah, he's just radical, right? Like he's do what you want to do, do it how you want to do it. Reminds me of Ari Gold and Entourage, bro. <laughs> At some point, there's got to be some sort of checks and balances in the New York Jets organization. And until that, I mean, if you were a free agent ever again, would you go to the Jets? No. After what they did to Le'Veon? Yo, they, listen, <laughs> how do you sign a guy that the coach simply doesn't want? It's, it's not even a scenario where you could say, oh, all right, well, this is what it was and it just didn't work out. It was evident from the rip that they did not want Le'Veon, well, not they, the head coach. So I'm like, the GM who hired the head coach wasn't lockstep with the coach. Yo, listen. I'm bringing in Le'Veon. He's, he can help the offense, point blank, period. It's, it, from day one, there was a disconnect in the Gase-Johnson scenario where this is what we're going to do and this is how we're going to sort things out. This is why I keep saying mm-hmm. the organization is in complete disarray because there is right. no direction. You're not getting anything right. And I'm, I'm going to add to that. right? I'll get a little personal. Before... Before I started running region, and mm-hmm. you know, in this case, you know, I'm in charge of like all of our U.S. business. When I was at the store level, there was never a moment when me and my assistant wasn't on the same page. Right. It didn't matter if the CEO or the brand was there. Some psychopath had an issue. Never mattered, right? So when I think about what that means now, right, where I got nine different other leaders and eight different people under them, I say to myself, if we're not all aligned, then we can't possibly be successful. Period. Right? So, and, that, and that's just an attitude. Forget the actual day in and day out operations Facts. and the metrics and the people and all the other weird things that go with it. Joe Douglas was supposed to be the manager, right? Uh-huh. So we got Adam engaged the talent right the coach the, the offensive genius right joe douglas was supposed to be the guy if gates doesn't feel like bell is the guy 
then Joe Douglas doesn't put that contract on the table. But the problem is there's no checks and balances. Seems like Joey D went out there and did what Joey's do, right? <laughs> While out. Right? <laughs> and then and then here we go. Adam Gaze is in the media the next day like, oh, I don't think we should spend on a running back. Or, but it's already spent. <laughs> how about this? Maybe, maybe Gaze said whatever he needed to to get the job. Knowing full well he was going to sabotage Le'Veon as soon as he got signed anyway. I'm going to just say yeah so they can hire me. The only other thing I want to add is, if I'm at some point, when are we going to see what Adam Gase is good at? I mean, we're talking about over a decade Never. of stealing millions of dollars Never. from the organization. We've seen because it. He's sorry. We know he didn't run the offense in Denver. We know Facts. that was Peyton Manning. <laughs> and Gary Kubiak. We know that already. Suggesting so, a play here it is, not a coordinator, okay? Or get or right. radioing in a two or three plays for Peyton to choose from is, is not being an old coordinator, people. Because I will add, before we move on to the Giants, everything about a coach's DNA of where they come from, always, even as a head coach, is dominant. And I'll give you a few examples. Bill Belichick, well before the whole defensive genius. He was a special teams guru. The, the Patriots, in all of the years that they win, have always had the best special teams. They'll get the timely blocks. Yep. They'll get the inside the 10 punts. Mm-hmm. They don't give up any return yardage. It's it's literally fundamental football. John Harbaugh uh, for the Ravens, special teams coach. Yep. The Ravens, for the last decade, have had the best special teams in the NFL. That's his DNA. <laughs> so when I think about what the hell is Adam Gacy, it couldn't have been the offensive thing because the coaches out there that are Bruce Arians is a high offensive guy. Uh-huh. Hey, they ain't never struggled to put up points with famous Jameis. Now with Brady, they gonna score, Period. but they couldn't stop nobody. But the DNA was there, so I haven't seen anything genetic about Adam Gase as a football mind. I haven't seen it, and uh, it's unfortunate. Well, you know what, Adam Gase is what you call. A fraud who keeps failing up. And we can't knock that <laughs> hustle. He finds a way to fail up each and every time. Certain people, they, they, they have golden parachutes. Us, we're common folk. We don't have that luxury. He does. So, let's, <laughs> but let's go over to the New York Giants, okay? Um, I'm, I'm going to need a, a quick clear out just to get my feelings off real quick. <laughs> Dave Gettleman, in my opinion is the worst general manager in the history of New York sports. When you when you factor in everything, having multiple all-pro talent level players on both sides of the ball, from Snacks Harris, Harrison to, to, to Odell Beckham, Landon Collins, all-pro talent, and you let each and every one of them go for a bag of chips. You fumbled the bag with the draft. When will it ever make sense? And I'm talking to you Giants fans who are complete apologists that make me sick. How is it ever okay to draft a running back with the second pick in the NFL draft when so much currency and so much attention is placed on a quarterback in today's modern NFL offense when you don't even have an O-line to block for a running back who has powerful legs but had never shown that he can run between the tackles. Saquon Barkley had the same problem Reggie Bush had coming out of USC. He's, he's dangerous in space, but can he get you that one-yard run when you need it? As we've seen thus far, no. They talked about he was a generational talent. He was going to be so special. When Eli had cinder blocks for feet, was on his way out the door, there was three quarterbacks to choose from in that draft, and you passed on all of them only for the next year to draft Daniel Jones, who once threw nine interceptions in a game for Duke. How is any of this okay? Going back to Odell Beckham, you traded him for a bag of chips. And, and matter of fact, you got a hero in a bag of chips because I won't be disrespectful to Jabril Peppers. He's been pretty good, right? But you traded an all-pro generation. The real generational talent was the wide receiver, Odell Beckham. And then you, essentially you replaced him with Golden Tate. What exactly are you doing? You've been the GM for three years, and the O-line is still sorry. Meanwhile, O-lines around the league have found a way to fortify themselves. And the O-line's not even as bad as it once was, to be fair. So when Giants fans talk about Daniel Jones doesn't get protected, we're not going to talk about the O-line Eli had to play behind when they made the playoffs, where all we ran was quick slants all damn season because that's all we could run, okay? Going back to the running back position once again, all of you sorry Giants fans who make apologies for Saquon Barkley, look at each and every elite team in the NFL, right? 
and then pointing out the elite running back that's that's on that team. Look back to majority of the last 15 and 20 Super Bowl champions and point out the elite running back on that team. And don't point out guys who are past their primes who played a role on the Patriots. We're not going to do that today. So I, I need Giants fans to understand, who not 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 the, the smart Giants fans like myself, the Giants fans who have the blinders on with the Nick fan energy. I'm talking to you. This team is not properly run. Dave Gettleman is the worst GM in the history of New York sports. There might be some hyperbole in that, but that's how I'm feeling right now, Paul. I had to get that off, bro. What, 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 are your, what are your takes about the New York Giants? What do you see? Are we close? Are we far? Or are we just as sorry as the Jets? I'm going to be honest. The Giants, they're not as sorry as the Jets, okay. but they're, God, they're so damn close. I'll take that. You know, they're like so close that, you know, if you're driving and you see a car behind you on the belt, you're like, <laughs> bro, you playing me too close. Facts. <laughs> when you look out there. Like, back up, bro. <laughs> right. Like, you slow down just to, just to flex for a minute. Mm-hmm. Like, calm down. Speed limit's only 50. <laughs> Tap the brake right so, quick to make it make a business decision. I dig it. So, here's my issue. Dave Gettleman was never the guy for the job. Okay. And that's why they're so close to the Jets. Because it wasn't a good hire. When they parted ways the previous GM, who was the reason the structure was always there for the Giants, Uh for this guy, we expected, as fans of the sport, some sort of immediate impact. Right. And instead, what did we get? We got a GM... Who then, because he didn't draft Odell, right? Huh. Because it becomes personal with these GMs, right? They're like they're like ex-girlfriends. Can I jump in right quick? Don't lose that though. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that he was done with Odell when he was the GM of Carolina and he saw what happened with Norman. In his mind, he didn't want that air quote type of guy in his locker room. Go ahead. No, and, and, it's, it, and that's valuable, right? When you think about when a guy, we've all been in work scenarios or school scenarios, we felt like, man, this person just got it out for me no matter what. Mm-hmm. That was Gettleman with Odell from the go. Day one. Preach. Right? Yeah. From day one. So then that also flipped on to what was the guy that they had, the offensive coordinator they had as head coach before Joe Judge. I, I can't even remember dude's name. Yo, like I forget his name right now, but but <laughs> put it this way: it, I have so much distraught and disdain for the Giants that I'm beginning to forget willfully, <laughs> so that I can move forward. But I know exa- our old coordinator who was a hell I of think a Shamara. I think his name was Shamara or something like that. The Pat coach? Schumer. There it is. Yeah, Pat Schumer. There he was. That's the Scumbag. guy. He was so puppetized is the term I could come up with by getting had no heart to coach in New York City none they didn't even throw the football down the field listen because Odell can't eat right it was a it was this was a matter of I've never seen a franchise upset and take a shot at this star player for getting a Nike deal for shoes because it's not the Giants way I gotta jump in again I'm so frustrated bro it's not the Giants way these old money players and excuse me because I'm trying to not be political but I'm gonna say it anyway these old money Republicans are so uncomfortable with certain types of black athletes a guy like Odell with the, with the bleach blonde, su- su- super loud personality. But when the Giants were in the doldrums prior to his arrival, Odell and that catch on, on a Sunday night against Dallas in a game that we lost put the Giants on the map in a way that it, he, let, let me rephrase. Odell made the Giants go viral. And the Giants were Absolutely. viral that each and every season that Odell was there. And the, the quick slants that go for 90 or 75, the, the one-handed dynamic plays, the Josh Norman matchups, these these things made the Giants relevant. And then, and then they tried to kill the receiver when he got so frustrated for taking the blame for the sorry quarterback that he had to go to the media. Eli was out here throwing t- change-ups. There was, it, there was no zip. He was making bad decisions. He had happy feet in the, in the pocket because he was afraid of the rush because he was a punch-drunk quarterback who'd been hit too much. So how is that Odell's fault? And then you trade him to Cleveland out of spite? Yo, go ahead, listen, let me, go ahead, Paul. Go ahead. I'm, I'm really angry about this. <laughs> listen, I appreciate your fire and desire. This is what the Giants and the Jets need. <laughs> oh, my God. Talk so, about it. Facts. The problem I got is the way they handle the, the, the passing of the torch from mm-hmm. Jerry Reese to Dave to, to Dave Gettleman. 
When I think about Dave Gettleman, I think about a guy who's ap- done absolutely nothing in the NFL. I'm sorry. Nothing. There's going to be people out there, oh, Facts. he helped the Panthers. No, he didn't, right? Um, he didn't build anything he, to last in Carolina, obviously. Anything. Right. He didn't do anything in Carolina. I could argue that Ron Rivera was more of the guy than he was, right? But that's for another story. My issue with the Giants, and we talk about when things went south, because there's going to be a lot of people who are going to say, well, the Cowboys took Zeke. The Panthers took C-Mac top 10. Yep. There's a difference when you're selected top two in the NFL Fact. versus eight through 10. Eight through 10 for me is a really good team that could have had injuries. Uh, Cam Newton went down. Mm-hmm. Here comes C-Mac. What do you know? <laughs> this is what happens. Right. The Cowboys, the year they got Zeke was very similar. Right, they transitioned from Demarco Murray, had some injuries. I think they lost Romo, yep. and then before you know it, boom, we fall on the floor. We get Zeke. But Woo. but Paul, but peep game. <laughs> In both scenarios, what what were the common threads? Solid to elite offensive line. I was gonna say the difference is those teams were already built to be successful with or without either of those running backs. Facts. <laughs> but they couldn't pass them at four and at eight, it, respectively, in those scenarios. So when I fast forward to what happened in 2018, my issue with the New York football Giants is they knew that the door was closing on Eli. Mm-hmm. We all knew that. The Giants turned around, they gave Eli more money, right? Since they restructured <laughs> his deal and gave him $30 million. They would call it the New York homie hookup. Because what you did in the past, for some weird reason, in bad franchises is more valuable than the present, right? Wow. In the future. Wow. This is what happens in bad scenarios, right? This is like giving a bad employee a raise. That's what the Giants did. Because they like you. Right? So they scrapped the cash. They scrapped it, right? Mm-hmm. And then did nothing on the offensive line. They actually gave away guys, right? Um, and then they never even looked at the quarterback position. Now, I get it. People were shocked that Baker went number one. Yeah, I get it. Me too. I, I, he shouldn't have gone number one. But if you're the Cleveland Browns, they felt like all they needed was a quarterback, a face in a franchise, and they had a quarterback coach in Hugh Jackson. But so to be fair to I, Baker, I feel- he's regressed. The Baker we saw our rookie year is not the Baker. The, his rookie year is not the Baker we see right now. I don't no, know what it's happened. Not, there. It, I know what it is. I think the Baker we see here has gotten too comfortable with being scared of contact. Uh, you notice facts. that every time Baker plays poorly, it's when he gets hit. True, true. <laughs> he gets hit early, and it's over. Then he starts staring down receivers like the pick six that Minka just had on Sunday. Why? He got hit a couple times. And he was hurt coming into told. that game. He had the ribs, right. so he was already not trying to get hit. He was already a little banged up. You know, mm-hmm. he's not even the mobile, swaggy Baker, he's just another guy out there. Right. He's just Baker. <laughs> he's not the guy, you know. So, and it you know, hurts I read me to hear that. Oh my god, I love. Baker. It's sad, bro. But you know, you look at the tar- Look at his receivers. He didn't get no targets. Fact. I mean, he had a hundred passing yards in a blowout. Yo. But the challenge I got for the Giants is they didn't address the quarterback position when they had a chance, right? Because, granted, they could have moved up for Baker if he was their guy. They could have slid back, which experts were saying they would for Josh Allen. We see the difference already between Allen and Daniels, the right? The levels to it. The levels. It's There's a lot of things that they could have done. Even the Saquon kid from UCLA who, who kind of fell off. He, ended, he went from Arizona to Miami. He has he has beautiful arm talent. I watched him at, from a freshman at UCLA, and I'm like in a Josh Allen, jo- I mean, Josh Rosen is, yes. a great, is a good talent. It has ended up in some bad areas. Listen, 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 you're telling me, and thing is, the Giants had the ideal situation. Eli's contract was coming to an end. We were essentially the NBA version of the NFL version of an NBA lottery team. So we could have drafted the quarterback, let Eli play his contract out and have Eli 
basically give Eli an understudy so that the transition is seamless. You, as opposed to drafting a running back to try to extend the prime of a quarterback who had no offensive line. Can someone make that make sense for me? You you have the, the grad school program for your rookie quarterback. Two years under Eli Manning, or maybe a year and a half. So, or, or, But because they, Eli had two championships and they respected him, they'd have let him play out those last two years. Year three, the new quarterback comes into play. Everybody wins. Odell gets to stay. All your all-pro talent gets to stay. You have a quarterback in his third year finally getting a start. Uh, even, even the great Aaron Rodgers didn't start right away. He had, he had to go to the grad school program under Brett Favre. There's nothing wrong with going to the grad school program. You have to do that sometimes. But it just, yeah. it just blows my mind that you take the running back and then you take arguably the worst quarterback in the first round of that draft in Daniel Jones. Come, even, even Haskins is a better talent than Daniel Jones. We could have had Lamar Jackson if you wanted to trade back into the first round a couple years back, too. Like, the Giants are a failure. Like, oh, my God. Go ahead, man. Now, I'm just going to add to this, right? Because a lot of people look at the Giants, and you could say now, in hindsight, other than Allen, those quarterbacks haven't panned out, right? Baker, Darnold, Rosen, Kyle Luetta. I blame the guys. organizations for a few of those guys, but go ahead. Of course, Absolutely. But I want to throw a few more names out there because I remember that draft like it was yesterday. And I remember all these wicked offers the Giants was getting, like moving from 2 to 10 or 11 and then getting like a 25 in a second rounder, right? Three for one type packages. Right. So let me throw a couple names that went out there after the likes of a Saquon Barkley. We seen... Minka Fitzpatrick go 11 Ugh. to the Dolphins that year. Derwin James, God, when he's healthy, he's the best safety in football at 17. Jair Alexander is arguably the best cornerback in football for the Green Bay Packers. Right. He went at 18 out of Louisville, right? DJ Moore, wide receiver for the Panthers, was 24. Calvin Ridley, 26. Mm -hmm. Sony Michelle, 31. Lamar Jackson, 32, right? <laughs> Nick Chubb, 35. Darius Lennon. Defensive anchor, 36. Ronald Jones, 38. Dallas Goddard, 49. When you start thinking Jesse Bates. Look at these the names. Safety, these guys, DJ Chark, right? You start thinking about all of these guys in a weird way have, have produced more than Saquon Barkley. And you could have gotten two or three of them in place of them. So when you start thinking about how does a franchise get out of the gutter? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm sorry, New York Giants fans. You don't want me to say this. Saquon Barkley has to get packaged. You yes. can't fall into that trap and give him Christian McCaffrey money, right? Because you know that's what they're going to do. At, like a, a McCaffrey. He hasn't had the <laughs> transcendent season that McCaffrey <laughs> just had a year ago. Because you know they're going to keep hanging that 100-catch season on our head. He's been garbage since. Bro. He's been average. And but, <laughs> but let's talk about it. You drafted a running back in the NFL to be a, a dual-purpose back, right? That's not something you draft with the second pick when there's so many players that you can get at that position, who can do exactly what he does? He can't. He can't have the the, the transcendent dynamic moments of a, a Saquon Barkley, but he can approximate the production. Again, you you, you see who we have right. Devontae Freeman is there right now. He's our he's our starting running back off the street. Shout out to the Florida State Seminoles, my favorite college team. <laughs> uh, he's basically doing the same things Barkley was doing on the field. When you, when you see when you see the production, he, he's running between the tackles. He's getting us some ugly yards. He gets some space. He can make a move. Do, do you need to waste the, sec, uh, the second pick in the draft on that? When you have yeah. so many players, like think about the running back who, who's in the timeshare with Kansas City right now with Edwards L. Uh, Derek Williams, I believe, is his name. Did anyone really know who he was? But he's out no. there. He's producing. Mostert. No. Nobody knew who Mostert was the year before San Fran blew up. Even the, even the kid who replaced Hunt with the Chiefs a year ago, who people said could have been Super Bowl MVP. They didn't know who he was, generally speaking. The running back position yeah. is not that important to building a franchise. It, it is what it is. Ray, let me just throw one thing in there, because you just touched on one of my favorite topics when I talk about NFL talent at a high level. Mm -hmm. the, the running back position, unlike any other position in football, there's only two positions that are always the same. Right. <laughs> running back and tackle. 
right? Guards Sucks. can be a little tricky. If you run mm -hmm. a zone scheme versus a power scheme, one's you need more mobility for the guard pulling. The other, you need somebody with quick feet who can, who can set the edge. But the running back position is always the same. It's the same. The function you is the, the same. You hit the hole, you look for the cutback. <laughs> that's, that's the end. It's always been the same. Now, here's my issue with Dave Gettleman as we go full circle. At least under the Jerry Reese era, the Giants were committed to a zone run scheme that featured unknown backs that Fact. produced. Tiki Barber, Talk Brandon Jacobs, Ahmad Bradshaw. Those were winning running backs. Even the kid they drafted from Boise State who ended up getting hurt. He, he had a chance to be something special. Oh, yeah, I like that kid, too. Yeah, he was good. Those, those were winning running backs. Look, look at when Nick did... Chubb, bro. Nick Chubb was in that draft. They, the Giants could have got a quarterback and a running back. Back-to-back -back if they wanted to. Now, look at some of these franchises. I'm going to throw a couple names at you. And you say, damn, Giants could have had all these cats. Oh, no. Austin Eckler. Oh. Then and now, right? Mm -hmm. If you draft a certain way, because the draft is is 90% of the GM is the draft. Fact. They pay the scouts. The scouts report to them. Mm -hmm. They sit in the war room. It's the head coach that gives some sort of adjustments. But you got to understand, NFL scouting happens 365. Hey, coaches don't begin scouting until the end of the season, right? So the book is already out on who we're going to go with. Right. Now it's a matter of who we can get, right? That's the GM's job. That's what he's doing behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. It's not a lot of trades in the NFL, right? So Austin Eckler, we knew, would be available. Hey, Giants didn't pick up the phone and try to call uh, LA for him. This is all hindsight, right? When you think about the opportunities put in front of them. Now, I'm going to keep going. Kareem Hunt was out there for pennies. Come on. So you could have had your your whoever at the two slot. Kareem Hunt is down. not the... You, oh, you're talking about the draft. I thought you were talking about like signing them because, you know, that's not the Giants' way. He had a situation. We can't sign him. Oh, yeah. You know, the Giants, they'll rather sign a kicker with a problem, but Although not a LT you know, was a on, on coke binges winning Super Bowls. But go ahead. <laughs> No, I mentioned Ronald Jones, who, who starting to transition pretty well out there in Tampa. How about that? Right? So I start saying these names, and I'm saying to myself, a Miles Sanders, who I could argue is the same as Saquon, and they didn't get him in number two draft, number two in the draft, the Eagles. Where right? was Alvin Kamara drafted? I don't even remember. Oh, I think Alvin Kamara might have been a fourth-round guy. Come on. This is what I'm talking <laughs> about. But you draft I, Saquon with the second pick? I'm going to be honest. I believe uh, I got. I'm pulling up the archive right now, but I'm pretty certain that Alvin Kamara was a fourth round pick. Third, oh, he was a third, late third round pick for the for the Saints, and he hit the ground running. Devin Singletary, another guy. What's the difference between Saquon and Devin Singletary? The last name in the highlight package that they built during the draft. <laughs> it's the same guy. And, and then you look at Saquon, and that's why I have so much beef. I don't have an issue with. Saquon the player he is who he is he didn't ask to be drafted by the Giants so I can never hate him but at his size how how he fails to run between the tackles consistently and I see Devontae Freeman doing is tough already to run behind that line but he's done a way better job than Barkley ever has why why should I sacrifice highlights for the ugly plays ugly plays win games the highlights are nice for sports center but when we need when it's fourth and one and the whole stadium knows a run is coming can i depend on you to get that yard at his size saquon is not even the most physical back i wouldn't even call saquon barkley a power back when you look at his legs and his body type and it's like how is that even possible i agree you know the nfl is about execution man right. and you you alluded to the patriots never winning when they had a good running back I don't think it's ever happened. You know, think about the six that Brady's got. You win with the guys like Garrett Blunt, who could hit, get you that short yardage, yep. get in the end zone in the goal line, and score. And a couple of um, scat backs to catch passes out of the backfield. Some of the best running backs of all time the Patriots have had have been guys like Keith Falk, which a casual football Fact. watcher doesn't even know who the hell Keith Falk is, but the he got three rings. They know was Marshall. <laughs> right? Right. They know Marshall, but they don't know Keith. Keith was a great blocker. Mm -hmm. Saquon, three years in, still can't block. All right? Huh. I'm going to throw another name that's going to make you upset. But look at that his legs, cool. though. Look at his calves, Saquon's. <laughs> oh, please. I mean, he's hurt because they love him because he's jumping over guys. It's the worst thing. Dalvin Cook was drafted in the second round. Dalvin Cook. 
Dalvin, Dalvin Cook, Cook, as a freshman <laughs> at Florida State, set the tone off the rim. I'd argue Dalvin Cook was a better college running back than Saquon was in, in, against tougher comp <laughs> at a time in the ACC. Oh, I agree. Dalvin Cook, passing and catching the football, and you know, he comes from Florida State, which historically is a great blocking university mm-hmm. for running backs. Them Ohio State and the U have historically been the best. They put out complete backs. So... Man, it's unfortunate. But I'm telling you, the Giants have no choice. And if they love Saquon as much as they love him, then they should expect even a better package than they got for Odell. But can you trade him now coming off an ACL? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Um, And I'll tell you why. ACL injuries and football have become like Tommy John injuries for pitchers in baseball. Okay. We know that surgically we know the day you have surgery how you're going to recover right? right that's the science right so that's why you've seen pitchers still get big paydays while being hurt we know it's a matter of time now the crazy thing about acl and football is it used to be like a year and a half thing now it's like a six month thing right. guys are back running jumping you know doing cuts <laughs> doing all sorts of amazing things within four months removed from injury. Saquon won't miss a beat but come the next season. With that is, Paul, and I'll say this: I'm I'm not a doctor, but I've watched enough sports to understand body types. When you look at Saquon Barkley and and his legs and the style of play he wants with the jump cuts and the explosiveness. He, he's going to have to embrace being more of a north and south back because his body is going to fail him eventually. When you're that bottom heavy, you're putting a lot of pressure on those knees and you want to be Barry Sanders out there. You, you're you going to have to start making business decisions and start taking some of this punishment and delivering. You got you to gotta embrace the inner beast mode in you as opposed to wanting to be Barry because your body's not built to be Barry, bro. Even Reggie Bush embraced running between the tackles. Yeah. It just took him a little too long when to do When he got it. to Miami, the Reggie Bush in New Orleans was not the Reggie Bush in Miami. Absolutely. Reggie Bush in New Orleans was a wide receiver. The mm-hmm. Reggie Bush in Miami and Detroit, I think one of those years he even might have run the, won the rushing title. It was like close to it doing close. it. close. He, he had a couple yeah. of real strong years as a, as a running back as, as opposed to an athlete. The shout challenge out, shout is, out to the kids in the background. <laughs> I'm going to be honest, bro. I don't think Saquon is ever going to embrace that because he's at this point, Bark- Saquon the name has become bigger than Saquon the football player. Right. And it's it's one of those crash and burn situations that only happens in New York sports. doesn't happen in any other city, any other state, and it always happens in the NFL. All right. It's a crash and burn, like the plane going into the water oh, scenario. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because... He's now at this point another fumble or another fluke injury away from being written off in the NFL, and right? Like that's that. you have you have ju- those same giant fans who will boo Tiki Barber out of the stadium, arguably the greatest running back in our history, but will swear for Saquon Barkley. Yeah, I have and it's one, unfortunate. I have one final question for you before I let you go. It's a yes or no. Is Daniel Jones? The guy going forward for the Giants. No. Ooh, I like it. <laughs> I, you have to think about that for a second, but I like it. I, I'm it, not sold on Daniel Jones at all. I don't think he's a good quarterback. If you know, you know. He's Dave Brown 2.0. I used to pretend back in the day I was like this QB scout, right? <laughs> I, I still do. <laughs> back in the, back in the, you know, you know, like I be knowing, bro, like. I know who can and who can't work. Right. right. I've seen the game. I've logged hundreds and thousands of hours of television watching. <laughs> the issues with Daniel Jones are not fixable. Okay. They're not, they're not, you know, if you're a, Q, a QB coach, you fix mechanical issues. Mm-hmm. How can we get Cam Newton to deliver the ball faster? How can we work on his footwork to do X, Y, and Z? What can we do to get Colin Kaepernick's ball angle upward, right? That's what Jim Harbaugh did in San Fran. Daniel Jones doesn't have mechanical issues. He has game issues. That's what it is. He can do things in certain moments, but when I see him, I just see a regular, degular quarterback. I don't see anything special about Daniel Jones. on the. Can I give you an example of what Daniel Jones is in a basketball reference? Let's do it. Daniel Jones is the guy. And pick up 
or scrimmages or intramurals is unguardable. Fact. But the moment you get out there and there's another team in another jersey and it's really organized basketball, he can't beat the trap, he can't get off the press, and he's rushing his shot. That's Daniel Jones, the football player. And he needs everything to be perfect. He he doesn't create. Like, there was a play in a, in a Redskins game where he dropped a dime to uh, uh, Slayton, right? They had man coverage on the outside. Uh, the, the Washington football team blitzed. It was one-on-one. The corner had bad technique. He dropped a dime. But it had to be a situation where the timing was right. The protection was there just enough for him to drop that dime. Everything had to be perfect. Every time I see things start going haywire for the Giants offensively, I don't see Daniel Jones making something out of nothing. And in this current NFL, all of the elite quarterbacks have that innate ability that when things break down, we look to you to go back to basketball. When all else fails, we want your superstar to get us a bucket. And I look at Daniel Jones and I feel like he's Paige Stojakovic in Game 7 against the Lakers. It's going to be an air ball. I will never forget when he hit the side of the backboard. Listen, listen. (laughs) Shout out to Doug Christie too. You know what I mean? So I just don't don't respect. I want to add to your point about Daniel Jones. Right? About the ability to not create. Two full years of playing quarterback, I expect Daniel Jones to be more comfortable in the pocket understand and have the awareness of what's going on around them 360 and the ability to hold on to the football and he can't do any of that and he's not a new quarterback right so last night when watching the game you know they made the one of the lines one of the guys used i think it was i think it was collins worth or maybe aikman said ball security is job security talk about or maybe it. it was brandon marshall because at one point we seen Zeke on the sideline. That's unfa- That's unheard of, right? After those two fumbles. Uh-huh. So I keep saying to myself, how at this point in the game? Because we ain't talking about a new guy out there trying new things. You're never going to have an offensive line that's perfect. Patrick Mahomes is, is, is a superstar. He makes 90% of his greatest plays when it ain't right. When it's off schedule. <laughs> when, it's when he's off running schedule. around, scrambling extending the play. I mean, we watched Rest in Peace and McNair do this for years. We watched McNabb destroy these guys in New York for years. Look at the play that flipped the Super Bowl. That play was off schedule and he made something happen on that third and 15 and got it over to Tyreek Hill. That's that's what I want. I don't want the Dan Marinos. I want a guy that when it's all on the line and nothing is going right, can you make a play? That's why you'll notice low-key, I never speak ill of Aaron Rodgers because I know that he's dependable. Tom Brady to say, even at 43 years old, Tom Brady can slide in the pocket, step into it, and deliver a pass when you need it the most. And Daniel Jones is a guy who is, is to me, his skill set and, and what he vibrates, what he reverberates, is career backup. He's not yeah, I'm a th- the franchise I'm a quarterback. That, bro. I always make this argument. You know, I've had this argument in barbershops. I've had it on football field, you mm-hmm. name it. Elite quarterbacks never get sacked with the game on the line. Listen, just doesn't happen. <laughs> Unless it's against an elite defense in, in a, in, and it was a coverage sack. It wasn't a blitz or, or anything it must like have been, that. Or something fluke, right? Yes. Like the, the Brady fumble in the Super Bowl was fluke. You know, he just came swiping in and hit his hand. It That's rough. it. Right? You think about the Deshaun Watsons. Nah, they're getting the ball off. The Carson Wentz's, they're not taking a the sack. They're getting the ball off. The Big Ben's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even the Eli's, bro. <laughs> Yo, when, the, when the Giants were good, Eli was getting that ball off. I tell everyone <laughs> that 2012 NFC Championship game, I fell in love with oh, Eli because San Fran was basically run. They were trying to run him out of the stadium, and he stood in there and he got every time we needed a play. Eli and made I think he a got play, hit, and I think he got hit 12 times in that game. And he kept getting hard hits. That, that that San Fran team hit hard. Back he felt then, back every then, last one of them. You had Pat Willis, Savage, oh. Oh. Helmet to Helmet was legal back then. Oh. <laughs> oh. I'll never forget. There was and one game where Eli was looking at. I think he was looking through his air hole even. It was, it was rough. It was rough. Dude, and, I, and I will tell you, in closing for me, the one thing that this current tenure of new post-Eli Manning quarterbacks have done, I've been a huge Eli fan. I'm a fan of the family. You know what I'm saying? Peyton is my guy forever. 
it, it should give Giant fans a greater level of appreciation for what Eli did for a decade and a half behind the center. I, I, I'm one of them who has who has learned to appreciate even more because I, I ran Eli out of town. So, but in hindsight, I'll, I'll take his happy feet over this guy. I, I mean, <laughs> I don't know what the Giants going to do. But, but again, the Giants, under the Gettleman era, I'm not sure that the Giants are willing to part ways with Daniel Jones. They haven't been critical of him. At some point, you need a general manager to get up there and say, listen, we're self-inflicting wounds now for a year and a half. I thought that's why Joe Judge was brought in. They brought in a Belichick disciple to be the most fundamentally sound football team. That's what I thought. Right. But six weeks in, which is enough for me to see, I haven't seen that. I still see the same over-penalized defensive backfield, getting beat on... Getting beat in stupid situations, right? They should have blown blow that game. Corner gets beat on the out and up when you can only get beat by a touchdown. What are you gambling for? <laughs> that, now you understand my pain. Giant, Giants fans, listen to me. Situational two, football, bro. Listen, 2-14 and 14 me, please. I want that first pick. I want Gettleman gone. I like Joe Judge. I don't think it's his fault. He's in a bad spot. But 2-14 me, please. I hope the Jets and Gase find a way to win three games because I feel like Gase is so bad that he'd find a way to win games on purpose late. But 2-14 me, get us a real quarterback. Give me some hope going forward in the future. But, uh, Paul, before you go, you already know the routine. At this point in the episode, I need you to identify yourself for the people where they can find you on social media, all that good stuff. Hey, man, on social media, I'm just dad, bro. So, you know, un- underscore Paul Lawson. You know, my daughter runs the show. You know, my son will be here in, you know, less than a month. You know, Congrats so once again. Appreciate that, you know. And you can find me as the former MVP of the sports hit list. You know, <laughs> the current MVP I'm, I'm sharing this platform with right now. So salute to you, my brother. You earned it. You deserve it. I appreciate yeah, that. Man. But other than that, man, I'm just Paul Law, man. You just search me and you'll find me. Bro, I appreciate you coming on. But you already know. I don't got to tell you at this point. You know we're going to do it again real soon. Oh, absolutely. Shout out to the winner's I mean, circle. Let's talk about shout it. Shout out to the winner's circle, man. <laughs> yes, sir. Paul, we're going to link soon, bro. All right, man. Peace. Ladies and gentlemen, another successful episode of The Great Area. Again, the state of New York football might be the worst it's been in over 25 years but hopefully things turn around uh the next episode coming up real soon the kings county sit down with coach womack and there'll be a special surprise on that episode and as the saying goes whether you like it or don't like it sit down and look at it because it's the best going today Woo! Perfect.